Section 28 of National Geographic Magazine, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in March 2014. Notes The Crossing of Tibet. The explorations of Mr. Rockhill in Tibet and his renewed attempt to reach Lhasa, the holy city of that country, creates an unusual interest for Americans in the account of the crossing of Tibet by M. G. Bonvalot, Prince Henri d'Orléans, and P. Dedeken, published in the last bulletin of the Paris Geographical Society. Six days' journey from Moscow brought the party through Russia and Turkestan to Kulja, 45 degrees north, 41 degrees west, in extreme western Mongolia. Having obtained authority from the Chinese governor of the province to proceed, the party, aggregating fifteen in number, left that place September 12, 1889, with Batang, China, as an objective point. On October 5, after a journey of about 450 miles, during which they crossed the Tian Chan, heavenly mountains by Narat Pass, they camped at Korla, near Bagraj Kul. Here they were warned that they could proceed no farther, and the governor of Aili sent an order to arrest them. The Mandarin and other local authorities did not, however, actively oppose their departure, which took place during the night of October 10, the party then consisting of twenty horsemen and forty pack-animals. On October 28 they reached Karaduran, the western end of Lobnor. A side-trip by d'Orléans and Dedeken to Lobnor proved it to be no longer a lake, but a series of swamps and sandy islands, with the water nowhere more than four feet deep. Meantime, Bonavolo accumulated supplies and replaced from the hardy Mongols the more timid among their camp-followers, the party being reduced to seven, with a few extra men for a short distance. Quitting Charkalik on November 17, they followed the route taken by Carey, but, on the advice of the natives, they resolved, after crossing the Altin Tug, to go directly southward instead of turning eastward, and thus to attempt a new route, on which they were beset by the usual physical discomforts attendant on travel at great elevations. On these mountain ranges they saw only wild sheep, blue hares, wild horses, crows, and partridges. On December 5, just south of a large salt lake, Uzun Tehur, they saw a caravan of Kalmuk pilgrims returning from Lhasa by an unknown route, which they refused to make known, and decided to temporarily abandon their idea of reaching Batang, and instead to go directly to Lhasa by retracing the caravan trail. From this point, about 38 degrees 30 minutes north and 87 degrees 30 minutes west, they proceeded directly southward. The region penetrated was unknown, the winds violent the entire day, the desert treeless and without water, the route lined with the carcasses of camels and their drivers, the only fuel the dung of wandering yaks or caravan camels, and the trail so indistinct that at times they marched by compass. 
the elevation gradually and steadily increased to fifteen thousand and even sixteen thousand five hundred feet the mountain fever became worse the storms more violent and continuous and the temperature ranged from seven degrees minus fourteen degrees celsius with wind at midday to thirty degrees below zero minus thirty three degrees celsius at night one by one their horses and camels died and also an old kirghiz who followed them extensive glaciers were passed from which flow on the one side the salwen and mekong into indian ocean and on the other the yangtze to china sea on january eighth eighteen ninety they skirted a large unfrozen lake named mont calm fifty miles long by twelve miles wide and on january fourteen traversed duplex pass twenty thousand feet elevation on the thirty-first they finally ran across a man a wild tibetan small thin with enormous lips long knotted hair clothed in sheepskin and armed with a sabre and flintlock gun whom they called appa father he knew neither chinese nor mogul but spoke tibetan of which the travellers knew scarcely a dozen words other tibetans with flocks of sheep soon appeared and sold them mutton a little salt and rancid butter and then followed on horseback for fifteen days without losing sight of the explorers often they were counselled in mogul by those in authority to turn back in the middle of february they reached lake nam tso heaven or tengri nor a large frozen body of water out of forty camels only fifteen remained and of twenty horses but one survived three of the party of seven were in desperate state of health while all were worn out and almost without provisions they were finally obliged to stop in a mountain pass of the ninjin tangla which led directly to lhasa then not more than sixty miles distant on february seventeenth the tibetan authorities sent a large party to meet them and ask their intentions mistaken for russians it took thirteen days to convince the authorities that they were french they received presents from the authorities and obtained costumes from lhasa but found it impossible to visit the holy city after forty-nine days of negotiation on april five provided with arms provisions and horses and also a safe permit from the talia lama to cross tibet to patang by an unknown route they started eastward on a course nearly parallel to and north of salwen river reaching so and once again seeing houses on april fifteenth they arrived at batang early in june their route some distance west of it having joined the imperial highway from pekin to lhasa over which labe huk travelled from tatsien lu where the french tibetan mission is located their route turned southward to red river which was reached at manhou on september twenty first when their journey practically ended as hanoi was reached two days later an excellent map of the itinerary by prince henri accompanies the article a w g end of section twenty eight